I've said this the last two weeks in this series that my messages are PG-13. Today, whatever the next one is, I think it's like NC-17 or whatever that is, it's not quite R, but I'm telling you, if you don't want your kids to, to ask you a bunch of weird questions, today would be, this would be a good time for you to go ahead and take them to kids' ministry. And uh, I just want you to, people have been wondering sort of, when are you going to talk about sex? Today. I'm going to talk about it today, and I'm going to talk about it all day. And so uh, if, you're, uh, if you have kids, I just want to give you that caveat. If you have maybe a digital copy of the Bible, a new version, let me give you a, uh, just quickly. You can follow along today. You version is uh, the most accessible, the easy, most easy downloaded, the most downloaded version of the Bible for Apple or for Android. I don't know why you'd have an Android, but even if you do, uh, you, can, you can download uh, U version there. You'll search for live events, and then City Hills Church will show up, and you can follow along today. It's a good place to take notes and uh, follow along in this message today. I'm so pumped about this. I have prayed a lot about this service because I want it to help you. I don't want to just be, I, I, I just, I don't want to be a shock jock. You know what I mean? I, I don't believe in that. Stuff doesn't last. Uh, but I do want to give you some uh, biblical answers to some of the stuff going on in your life, especially as it relates to sex. And I want to, I want to sort of uh, help you avoid the pitfalls that are in front of you. And I want to help married couples that you've been wondering why is it that you know this is sort of happening? Why does why is this going on in my marriage? And maybe today you'll help uh, find some answers to some of that stuff. So I'm so glad that you're here. Everybody loosen up. Just I'll say sex a whole bunch so you can say sex, 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 sex. Now everybody just loosen up and and uh, or still in church. It's not weird. Everybody's like I don't want to look up. I don't even want, like I don't want to look at nobody. I sure don't want to look at my spouse. I don't want to look at nobody right now. So. Uh, I promise it to be painless, but I want to help you today. And uh, I want you to open your hearts. When you have your Bibles, follow along. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Inside your word is life. And so I open my heart today to life. God, I pray. I pray against guilt and shame and condemnation. That is not your will today. Your will today is to convict our hearts to change. I pray that you'll do just that. Now let me preach the truth, saturated in love, full of compassion and grace today. I pray for freedom in the house, that you would break off of us the stuff that has us bound. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. So thank you, Ken. A couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we kicked off this series talking about the right person myth. You know this, this myth that you find the right person. When I find the right person, then everything in my life will be all right if I just get the right person. The problem with that is we find a lot of right persons in our life. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's amazing to me the number of people who find the next right person. It's like I, I've I found the right one, and two weeks later you're like, Where's that other right one that you was with? Is this the, is this this a new right one? Okay, all right, I got you. Left her for the right. Okay, I got you. So we we just find these right. It's just it's it, you keep chasing after sort of what's right. And I I wanted to illustrate to you sort of the way that we do that, and everybody kind of follows this along. I didn't know how else to do it except with some ninety slow jams. Come on, somebody! All my slow jam people say amen. So I'm going to, Max, come here. you got to come help me. In first service, I sang these. But Max is my resident slow jam R&B artist. Come on, come on, come on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, give him a hand. That's okay. Give him a hand. I need a, I, I, I don't have a mic. I don't have a mic for you. You don't need a mic, bub. You, you got it. You can use my mic. No, you don't need Pastor G. You need you. So we start out. Here's, every relationship starts this way. Every relationship starts with this song. I, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. Yep, you got to do better. Than that, I want you to. 
I want to feel with love. Yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew you knew the rest of that. You got to get better than that, bub. You got to get better than that. Okay. And so we go from, I want to know what love is. And then the very next thing when we say, oh, God, why? I just want to find somebody. Here's the next one. It's by my boy Shaggy. Y'all know I love that. And here it is. Girl, you're my angel. Shorty, you're my angel. You're my. Y'all don't know Shaggy. Y'all bunch of sinning, bunch of. Y'all going to go to hell for that. So you start with, I want to know what love is, and you find her, and it's shorty, you're my, why she got to be short? Shorty, you're my angel, and this is, you're the right one, and then the, the, the longer time goes on, y'all hit that Tony Braxton, what'd she say? Unbreak my, say you love me. Yeah, y'all know that, Tony Braxton, that OG, Tony Braxton. And then, and then, and then that Boys to Men, it stops on Boys to Men. There's a new iteration of that. This is not, this is, this is old school Boys to Men. Here's where, here's where it always ends. We don't even talk anymore. Oh, hey! We don't even know what we are. You got to give my boy a hand for that. Every relationship does. It starts with, I want to know what love is, and then, and then you're my angel. <laughs> God, I can't live without you. And then, and then it's unbreak my heart, and then we don't even talk anymore. Here's, here's the problem. Here's, the, here's what I'm, I'm trying to get you to don't go chasing waterfalls. Just stick to Y'all going to go to hell for TLC. Do not sing that. I'm trying to keep y'all from that. Here's what we said last week. Here's the way you don't go chasing waterfalls. You got to get a clear vision of the future that you want. You got to get a clear vision of the relationship that you want. If you don't, you'll just end up somewhere going, man, how did we get here? You'll roll over one day and you'll see him without his shirt off and you'll be like, ooh. <laughs> how did we get here? I don't even like you. I don't even want to. I don't want to see you in a waterfall or nothing. I don't. We make better decisions. I want to help you make better decisions. I saw this the other day. I thought this was so great. About the way men and women sort of view their day. Uh, men's day is pretty simple. They just wake up happy and then kind of all day and then just go to sleep. And then women's day, all day long, there is a change of emotions throughout the entire day. Sometimes you come home here. Sometimes you come home right there. You don't know. You never know. And men, it do good day bad day it don't matter it's all the same thing and we all think that we make you know decisions based rationally or emotionally think, well man men are more rational but women are more emotional truth is everybody in the room makes decisions rationally and emotionally everybody sort of has that it's how we make decisions and advances in neuroscience tells us that our emotions are very integral in our decision making that how we feel about something sort of decides how we make a decision now I always tell couples this is not the time matter of fact I tell anybody this is not the time to make a spiritual decision when you have high emotions if you're angry not the time if you're low not the time don't do anything I literally I've told countless people that I've counseled like if you're that emotional about this decision just don't make it right now because you'll make a bad decision in the heat of the moment and, and you have no idea kind of how you got there. Well, how do I change my emotions then? The way you change your emotions is you change what you think about. Say amen to that. Whatever you think about, is, it will come out in how you feel and your emotions. And then if your emotions are involved in your decision making, then it, it stands to reason whatever I'm thinking about becomes the decision that I Make. So in the middle of that backdrop, Paul would walk in to that situation. He would say, here's how you make 
better decisions in Romans 12 and 2. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... Y'all 1045, you got to wake up. Renewing of your... Yeah, you got to, everybody point to your noggin right up here, that dome. This is where all of your problems are. It's between your ears. He said, you got to get your mind renewed. And in your mind, you'll be able to test and to prove what God's will is. It's the number one question preachers get. What's God's will for my life? Am I supposed to take this job or take that job? Which I can go ahead and tell you, if, God, if, if you're wondering whether you should leave San Antonio or City Hills, it's not God's will. I already know the answer to that. I'm just saying, you gotta, if you want to know God's will, you've got to change your mind. If you'll change your mind, you'll change your emotions. Because, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Emotions are never a good indicator of where God is leading you. I always get leery when somebody comes to me and goes, Pastor, I feel this from God. Because I always go, no, you feel that where? Like with your hands? Where, do you, where, are, you, where are you feeling that at? And give me your fingers. I had to, there was this girl one time, I pastored. She, she was on the prayer team for a minute. And then, and then she wasn't because she was weird. And so she, she, she would say, Pastor, when I pray for people, my hands get warm. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know why you've been sitting on your hands. I don't know what's wrong. You don't feel God in your hands. That, that's just not, your hands don't get warm. Don't, whoever tells you that, they're lying to you. That's weird. And the Holy Spirit isn't spooky. It's not weird. So when I would say, How do you, uh, why are you making this decision? Well, I just feel like this is it. No, no, no. Emotions are never a good indicator. Well, it, He makes me happy. Not a good indicator of, of a spiritual decision. Well, she makes me, I get, I laugh when I'm with her. Well, I laugh when I'm with Jerry Seinfeld, but we ain't getting married. Come on. You just, emotions are not a good indicator where God's, Leading us. You can't make spiritual decisions. You can't make decisions about your life. Psychologists would say this. That your emotion. That the emotion of love. It affects your brain the same way that cocaine does. You hear me? That cocaine gives you the same. The emotion of love gives you the same thing. That's why Beyonce wrote that song. That your love got me looking so crazy right now. Because you get crazy when you get in love. You just do crazy stuff. You think crazy stuff. Some of you are like. I don't know who Beyonce is. I thought she was Illuminati. I don't know who she is right now. You just get crazy and you start thinking crazy things. You end up making crazy decisions. Because what I think about affects my emotions and my emotions affect how I respond to something or what I do with that. So I want to, I want to help you today make better decisions, especially as it relates to sex. So we're going to talk about sex and sexual intimacy today. And, and I, I want to dive right in because our culture is inundated with sex. It's used to sell everything. You ever seen a commercial on TV and you're like, what in the world? This has to be like a condom commercial. And it turns out to be like Coca-Cola or something. You're thinking, how in the world did this, how did this become that? Like they use sex to sell everything. Everything is used in sex. It permeates everything that we have, every song, everything that we do. And, and, and then you think that when you come to church, well, we can't, we can't talk about that. There's just, there's no way we can, it's just, you know, we have to sort of avoid that. And I just don't believe that's true. Here's what I think it's true. I think when you get in a situation where you want to make decisions, you need to know God's perspective first. You need to know this is what God says about that. Here's where I think the church went wrong. I think that too often we base our ideas about sex and relationships on the idea of restraint versus the principle of vision. 
the idea of restraint versus the principle of vision. Here's what that looks like. If you grew up in a home like I grew up in, or a church like I grew up in, everything that we had, especially as it related to sexual intimacy, was all about restraint. Don't have sex. Don't ever have sex. Don't have sex with idiots. Don't date idiots. Don't wear this. Don't do this. Don't date a guy. Don't, unless, unless he can quote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Unless, unless she can juggle Bibles. Like don't, just don't, just don't, don't, don't. And everything was based on restraint. Everything was just based on you telling yourself, no, I'm just not going to do this and I'm forbidden to do that. Here's the problem with forbidden fruit. It's the, it's the thing that you want. You know what I mean? All you need to do is tell somebody you can't have that. What's the first thing you want? That, that's exactly what, don't push that button. Why? Why? What if I push the button, what happens? Can I please push the button? I, just, I mean, why, I just want to know why I can't do that. So we practice restraint. But here's the problem with that. Listen, I'm going to free some of you who've been a slave to religion. If you were raised like I was raised, this message is going to change your life. And this is why this one sentence is worth coming to church for. Restraint without revelation always leads to rebellion. Restraint without revelation always leads to rebellion. If all you do is control the impulses that you have, but you have no revelation as to why it is I'm doing this, what it means spiritually for me, why I'm de- I'm, I don't have vision of where I'm headed, I don't know why I'm doing this, I'm just restraining myself from that, it will always lead to rebellion against the restraint. The only way to combat that is revelation. That's why I have to preach when I'm preaching to you. I want you to open your heart and say, man, what if there's more to to this whole idea of sex? When you receive a divine destiny, it causes you to voluntarily restrain yourself. It causes you to make decisions and you go, man... Now that I know that, now that I have revelation about that, now that I have vision of what I want my marriage to be, my life to be, my, my, my kids to be raised in the environment I have, now I will voluntarily restrain myself. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Let me illustrate it a better way, something I'm much more familiar with. If you don't want to have quadruple bypass surgery, every time you pass by Krispy Kreme in that hot light zone, come on somebody, it, it's not enough for me to know that Krispy Kreme's bad for me. I I know it and I try to restrain myself, but I live in rebellion. You know what I'm trying to say. I live in rebellion when that hot light comes on. But when you stand at the bedside of somebody who just had their chest cracked open and four bypasses, the revelation of that tends to go, maybe I don't need as many donuts as I thought I needed. You understand what I'm trying to say? The revelation wakes up. It's the same exact principle that I knew all along. It's that I now have revelation of what it leads to, the vision of that. And in light of that vision and that future, that I'm, that destiny I know I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards, I voluntarily restrain myself. Now, if you happen to pass by Krispy Kreme tonight and the light's on, Holler at your boy, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying, because I get, I get vulnerable on Sunday nights, and I need help. So, let me give you, let me give you some stuff about sex. Let me give you three things. I don't use acronyms a whole lot, but maybe this will help you today. Here's the first thing: if you're taking notes, sex is supernatural. Sex is supernatural. It's supernatural. That's why the Bible says it this way in Genesis. So the Lord God caused a man to fall asleep. He caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and then while he was sleeping. God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. I think he put extra flesh on my rib cage. I'm just, I think that's what's wrong up here, mainly. 
Then the Lord, why, why is this a slim cut, by the way? I want this shirt to go away. I don't know who did, that's terrible. Anyways, uh, he, he put flesh over that and he made woman out of the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And here's what the man said. He said, this is the bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman since she was taken out of man. This is why you got to get off your mama's couch and quit playing Xbox. Now, it doesn't say that, but it means that. This is why you got to leave your father and mother and unite to your wife because, here's the supernatural part, in, in God's economy with sex, one plus one equals one. Because two become one flesh. That's the supernatural part of sex. It's the two individuals... In a sexual relationship that honors God, become one flesh. They become one flesh. That's the supernatural part of sex. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Not only is sex supernatural, but sex is enjoyable. It's enjoyable. All all the men are reaching for an ink pen right now. You're like, I wouldn't take a notes, but I I think I'm going to write that down, babe. I just just, want to, I don't know why. I just feel led right now to write write this down. Just just take notes right now. That's that's why God said this in Genesis 2. He said, Adam and his wife were both naked. And there was no shame in their game. He said they felt no shame. When when, when Adam and Eve had sex and God noticed that, there was no shame or guilt associated. God didn't look down and go, Ew! Stop! That's gross! No, no, no. It it was made to be enjoyable between a man and a man. A woman between a husband and his wife. It's enjoyable. Now, notice, here's the difference. And this is for all the southern guys in the room. Genesis 2 says, Adam and his wife were both naked. Would you underline that? N-A-K-E-D. The reason why there's no shame in that is because they were naked. If you are naked, N-E-K-E-D, that involves alcohol and the cops. That is not the same thing. Don't be naked. Be naked. Those are two different things, and I'm not, I don't have time to preach about being naked. Y'all know. It's not shameful. It's enjoyable. And Here's the, here's the last thing. X. This is a little stretch, but I write it down. It's the only thing I can come up with. It's not X-rated. It's God-created. It, it, the only way sex becomes X-rated is if you look at it through the lens of the world. If you look at it through, through secular, if you don't talk about it. Listen, God created this. There's a whole book of the Bible called the Song of Solomon. Come on, somebody. It's the R&B hit of the Bible. I'm talking about, it's just all about it. Go home and read it if you don't believe me. It's R&B. It's, it, God talks about sex. Some people don't even realize the stuff they're dealing with. And you think, man, God doesn't have anything to say with that. No, no, God has a lot to say with that. God created this thing and so we got to we got to change our views we got to change what we think about that changes our emotions and change how we behave here's the first way that we're going to do that we have to dispel the myth that sex is only physical would you take this note and say sex is not just physical the truth of the matter is sex is not just physical sex is emotional and physical and spiritual. Some people don't even realize, why am I still dealing with this in my marriage? It's because of sexual decisions you made before you got married. It's because sex is not just physical. There's a spiritual aspect to it. There's an emotional attachment to it. You had no idea. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, flee from sexual immorality. Because every other sin that a person commits is outside of your body. But when you sin sexually, you carry those sins with you in your own body. 
That's why some of you are married for 10, 15 years and you're thinking, what's wrong with our sex life? Literally, I know couples that have been married years and haven't had sex in years. And you think, what's going on in our our marriage? Like, why can't we connect? What's the intimacy problem? It's because there are sexual scars from your past that you did not deal with and you've carried them into your future because sexual sins stay with you. There's sin against your own body. And they're emotional and they're spiritual and they're not just physical. It's the reason why you can laugh about some of the other stuff in your life. You can tell your kids about the time you got pulled over and, and you went to jail and, you know, whatever. And you, you can laugh about uh, all that. But you don't, you don't laugh about sexual sin. You don't, you don't tell those stories laughing. But you know why? Because they carry emotional baggage with them. Because you know in your heart it's not just physical. If it was just physical, you'd laugh about it. But it's not just physical. And so you carry that stuff too. Sex is connected to your spirit and to your soul. Say amen to that. Sex is wrapped up in every area of our lives. Let let me teach you some doctrine. And then I'm going to teach you something that's not doctrine. That just supports this. And maybe help you understand this premise that I want to preach to you today. Here's the doctrinal part. God is triune in His nature. God has revealed Himself to us as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They have personal attributes, but they have no division of nature, essence, or being. These three are one. Say amen to that. You understand that. That God's revealed Himself in a triune way. Now here's the the thing that people don't understand. If God created you in His image, and He is triune, then you and I are triune. We are spirit, soul, and body. Let me say it better this way. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Would you write that down? You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Our God is triune in His nature, and you are triune. I am triune. We are a soul. I'm sorry, we are a spirit that has a soul that lives inside of a body. Your spirit is God conscious. It's the thing that's able to communicate with God. It's the thing that receives revelation from God. Your spirit's the only thing that gets saved. Your soul is self conscious. It's your will, your imaginations, your thoughts, what's in your heart. All of that is your soul, and then your body is earth conscious or your five senses. This sort of relate to your uh, body. Let, let, me, let me do it this way. This is a little bit uh, easier way for you to understand it. The reason why this, I'm going to help some of you new Christians too. The reason why new Christians struggle is because you think when you get saved that all of you get saved. It is not true. The only thing that gets born again, the only thing that gets perfected at salvation is your spirit. This is the only thing going to heaven. Your body doesn't go to heaven. Thank God for that. Come on, somebody. It, I, I'm going to be six foot two in heaven. Y'all don't even know about me. Your soul does not even go to heaven. Your soul is the seat of your emotions, your imagination, your will. The only thing that gets perfected when you get saved is your spirit. This is the reason why new believers struggle. Because they think, because I got saved, that now I don't have an addiction to crack anymore. Your crack addicted body did not get saved. Your spirit got reborn. But now the process of sanctification, this is the doctrine. The sanctification of your body means that as I'm walking and obeying the spirit. As God is leading my spirit now. My spirit now tells my body what to do. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you? Say amen to that. Here's the problem that that so many people don't understand as it relates to their sexuality. 
is that if my spirit is in communication with God, the Holy Spirit speaks to my That's the part of me that gets saved. Matter of fact, John 3 and 6 says it this way, that that stuff that's born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Let me see the picture back one more time. So my body does whatever it is that I tell it to do. Here's the problem, that you have the wrong thing in the driver's seat. I, I need three chairs really, really quickly. Three chairs. And, 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 and just bring them on the stage. Yeah, real quick. Three chairs. Here we go. Put two up front and one in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two up front, one in the back. Two up front, one in the back. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was impromptu. Now, y'all don't have nowhere to sit. The, the, prob, the problem with some of us, listen, this is the way that we should live our Christianity. We should let our spirit be in the driver's seat because it's the only thing that communicates with God. Then our soul, our emotions, our will, I want it in the passenger seat so that my spirit can tell my soul what to feel and think. You understand what I'm telling you? And I want my body back here in the back seat where he belongs. That way I can slap him and say, hey, hey, punk, you can't do that. My spirit says you can't act like that. Here's the problem that happens. So many times we get these out of order and we let our body drive. And... That's good, isn't it? That was good back there. I don't know who felt that back there, but I felt it too. When your body drives, you put spirit in the back seat and you say, hey, you sit back there a while. I'm in control right now. Well, the problem is this thing that's driving right now didn't get saved. The only saved person is, this, is, is the spirit back here. we got to get in the right order. Are you understand what I'm preaching to you? You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Now here's what happens in sex. It's not just that your spirit is attached to someone. Listen, I don't just give my body to somebody. Listen close. There's a soul tie that's attached to the person that I am sleeping with. And what happens in sexual relationships that are outside of the bonds of marriage or what the Holy Spirit blesses, a soul tie is a bond that has become bondage. The only thing a marriage is, I want you to, I want you to, it's not about paying taxes together. Come on. It's not about, it's not about getting his social security when he finally dies. That is not what a marriage is all about. Um, Listen, a marriage is you standing in front of the man of God and going, okay, God, we're going to make a covenant with you. And then the man of God goes, okay, y'all are going to covenant with God. Now the Holy Spirit shows up and said, hey, I'll seal this covenant. Now, every time this couple has sex afterwards, the Holy Spirit says, I sealed that. It's safe. It's okay. It's supernatural. It's enjoyable. It's not X-rated. But every time you have sex outside of that, the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 no. I wasn't in that. That was your body and soul. You understand what I'm trying to preach to you? Here's the way I want to illustrate to you. Come on, bring that out. I'm, I'm heavy on illustrations today. I just feel it. I don't know. I feel like object lessons today. Here's, here's, here's thank you. Here's a better, hey, Will's back, by the way. I'm so glad you're here. Here's the way I want to illustrate, thank you, Bob. Here's the way I want to illustrate it to you. I, 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 just, I just imagine two people in the club, you know, hanging out, doing what they do. And they just bump into each other. Oh, I'm sorry. What's your name? Rakesha. (laughs) I don't know. She's white. I don't know why her name's Rakesha. I didn't name her. (laughs) Y'all know I'm stupid. (laughs) Y'all know. What's your name? My name's Jim. (laughs) What are you doing here? Oh, I'm just, you know, my friend brought me. I never even come to this club. 
She lying to you. She's been to that club every night. You know she's lying to you. That girl knows exactly where she's at. What, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just here picking up chicks. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, the chicks, you get it? Tell, tell your partner. <laughs> Abby just got it in the bag. I just saw it come all over. Picking up chicks in their eggs. I had somebody after first service goes, dude, I can't ever eat eggs again. <laughs> uh, if you're going to Waffle House, I'm, I want to apologize. So Jim and Rakesha, they're just dancing and hanging out. And, 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 and so Jim says, hey, uh, you want to go back to my place? That's fine. I, I, let me tell my friends. She ain't got no friends there. She came right by herself looking for a man. So, so y'all, go back, y'all go back to Jim's place and you're just hanging out. And Jim, Jim puts on some slow jams, you know what I'm talking about? And, and they're mixing it up. And they're just hanging out. And, you know, just getting lovey, just whatnot. And, you know, a little, little bit of, you know what I'm saying, a little something, something. And then, and then Jim, Jim says, hey, uh, I'm going to slip into something a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> And Rakesha says, okay, I'll do the same thing. And then, and then you know, Barry White's playing, so. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. And then Jim and Rakesha spend the night together. And then the next morning... Rakesha wakes up and looks over at his hairy back and she says, oh my God, what did I do? I, 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 want to, I never want to see this man again. I got to separate. I got to get away from him. Let me separate from him. Well, let me... The problem is you can't separate now. Because there's a soul tie that you've created. And you can't separate what happened in a moment where your emotions took over. And ten years down the road in your marriage, you're thinking, why do I still have trust issues? Why is it I can't? It's because I was connected to somebody I didn't mean to get connected to. And I've created this soul tie. It wasn't my body exclusively because sex isn't just physical it was my soul got attached and now this soul tie has become a bondage and and then and then these two have become one because every time you have sex that's what the bible says these two have become one the problem is the holy spirit there wasn't there to bless this this union so it's not supernatural they're just bound in one and they can't separate so now they're open to other spiritual attacks. If you're, you, you, ever, you ever wondered why it is I still battle stuff that I don't even know why I battle depression? I'm going to tell you why. Now this is not doctrine. This is all just, I'm trying to illustrate to you why I think this happens, this soul time. Here's what I think happens. I think you open up your spirit to whatever's attacking them. Because you're connected on a level that's deep and soul level. So there may be stuff they're experiencing and it's attacking them and it's actually attacking you. You're thinking, why can't I get out of this depression? It's because they're depressed. It's because there's a spirit on them that's attached itself to you. 
When, you, when you're in a sexual relationship, there's a spiritual connection. My wife, I can be going through something, and I, can, I won't tell nobody, and she'll be like, something's wrong with you. And I'll be like, oh, holy ghost. My God, how'd you know that? She's like a spirit ninja. I don't know. <laughs> she just, she, she, because there's a spiritual connection that happens there. You, I know you wives can do that. You can look at your Men, you can look at your wife and there's something that, there's just a soul level connection there. If that's true inside of a marriage, it's true outside of a marriage. There's a connection that happens on the soul level that if you're not in a relationship that the Holy Spirit's in the center of, now I am forever mixed up with that mistake. That, my friends, is a soul tie. That's a soul tie, that your soul is connected to that other person. There's a couple of soul ties. i got to preach this quickly. I want to, I want to run through. There's a couple of types. And then the first one is a controller. A controller. The, the, the controller is the one that your emotions become intertwined. And you, you feel like you can't make it without them. They separate you from people of authority in your life. They separate you from your parents. They separate you from your church. They separate you from your pastors. They say, you, you, you don't need that. I, 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 you just need me that's a soul tie that's controlling you listen to me if you do not break free of that you will not change that person you will lose your identity inside of that controller that that person will control you the rest of your life because it's a soul tie and then and then the heartbreaker that that person who says i i i i I didn't want uh, to move on but but you loved me and you left me and you moved on and i'm still sitting here and i thought you were the of my life and no 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 I'm just you were the love in my life and I'm still here holding the bag and you broke my heart and if you don't sever that soul tie then you're going to always be connected to somebody that is sabotaging your destiny and then there's the memory maker this is the one that married couples deal with all of the time the memory maker is the one that you hear that song and you and and you think about that night and and, and you smell that brute cologne or whatever it's Stetson whatever the cheap he's wearing and you and you remember that night it's that memory maker you go back it's the reason why I tell married couples go home today and disconnect from everybody you've ever had a relationship with on social media because you're going to see a picture you're going to hear a song you're going to remember something and there's a soul tie attached to them that if you're not careful it will sabotage your destiny because there's a soul level connection to them Because sex is not just physical. And it's the lie of our culture that if it feels good, you can do it. And as long as both of you are consenting, it's okay. It is the lie of our generation. It's not okay, and it's not just physical. And it doesn't matter if it feels good. It connects you deeper than that. And you are sabotaging your destiny by flippantly allowing other people to have access to your soul. And then you end up with a wedding. I, 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 come here, Mark. Come here, Cindy. You guys come. Then you end up with, how long you guys been married? 48 years? How long? 44 years? 24. Jesus. I, 44 years. Y'all the best looking 60 year olds I've ever seen. Then you end up with a marriage and what you don't know, what you don't know inside of a marriage. I need a couple of guys. Come on, a couple of guys. Come on, Trent. Come on. A couple of guys. Come up. Come, come here. Earhart. Hurry, 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 hurry. What you don't stand behind her. Stand behind her. I need a couple of women. Come on. Come this way right here. Cynthia, come this way right here. Come stand behind him. Stand behind. What you don't see when you're looking at a wedding is you don't see. Thank you, John. You don't see in this wedding that there are soul ties that she's attached to. And there are soul ties that he's attached to. 
And they're bringing with them the spiritual attacks and the stuff that they had. That connection with these people. They bring it to this marriage. And you can't figure out in 20 years, 24 years. Tell me what's wrong. They don't have problems. I'm just picking on them. But you're looking at your marriage. You're thinking, what's wrong with our sexual relationship? It could be that you haven't severed these soul ties. And now you're trying to bring them together. Thank you guys. You can have a seat. Thank you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? So let me give you some tools to help sever soul ties. Our musicians are on their way out. There's a couple of things you're going to have to do if you're going to sever a soul tie. I don't ever want church to be that, you know, that condemning place, that place of guilt. And you think, man, he's talking to me. How does he know? I don't know you. I just know this is, I just know this to be the truth of the ages. This is what, this is the lie of the enemy that's just physical. It just, nobody, nobody's hurt, no harm, no foul. And it's not. So let me give you some, some ways to get out of it. Here's the, I'm just, I'm going to run over these really quickly. Here's the very first way you got to get out. If you're going to sever a soul tie, the first one is your relationship with God. You got to have a relationship with God that is vibrant. That's why, that's why our vision here at City Hill, the first thing that we ask you to do is know God. You got to know Him in a real passionate, a real way, a fund, not just know about God. You got to know God. You got to have an encounter with God. You got to have an experience that changes your life. You got to have a relationship with God. When I sit down with couples, the first question I ask is Are, are you guys on the same page spiritually? Because you attend and you don't attend. You tithe and you don't. You serve and you don't. This is never going to work if we don't put our relationship with God first and foremost. It's the reason in a marriage you have a preacher. Because the preacher says, hey, y'all know this is not just us. we got to put God in the middle of this whole thing. You understand that? The second thing you got to do is repent. I hope you're taking notes. you got to repent and confess. you got to repent and confess. you got to repent and confess. Repenting is not just getting your life together. Repenting is changing how you think. It's getting accountable. It's telling somebody, hey, listen, I, I'm dealing with this and I got to cut this off. I, I, I'm connected to an old girlfriend. I, I'm, I'm looking at something I shouldn't be looking at. I'm struggling with a past relationship. I can't get past this connection I have to him or to her. I need help with that. It's repenting and getting accountable and confessing and saying, God, I'm going to change my mind. It's not, it's not saying what's right with him or what's wrong with her. No, no, no. It's just saying, I'm just going to completely change my whole mind about the situation I'm going to repent and confess and, and then the third thing is you're going to have to release and restore would you write that down you have to release and restore you have to ask God to help you to release yourself from those soul ties God you're going to have to do what I can't do I can't separate this but you're a miracle worker God I look at this as broken and fractured and messed up but God, you, you, you can raise the dead. You, you, you created me to begin with. I, I guess you can recreate me. That's what it means to be born again. To, to, to release and to restore. Saying, God, I, I'm asking you to release any of that soul tie. And, and to restore everything that I have lost. Now listen, this is, this is so important. Especially if you're single. If especially if you're married. If you, to release somebody from a soul tie, you don't have to call them and tell them. How you recreate? It's, it's Jim. Listen, I was just thinking about you the other day, and I just, 
you know, what you doing? <laughs> no, 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 you don't have to. You, you can release a boat from the shore by untying it on the dock or untying it on the boat. Either one of them will release it. Two people don't have to be involved in a release. It just takes one to untie the knot. That's good preaching. You just need to release them. You just need to say, God, I, I got to break free of that. I'm going to disconnect to them on social media. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't pass by the place we used to go to. I'm asking you to restore all this stuff that's been lost. And you got to remove. You got to remove all of your mementos and old t-shirts and love letters and the stuff that hides inside of your closet that your spouse doesn't know about. That you keep for her. You keep about him. You, you, you got to remove all that stuff. I, I've always found it funny when, when I sit down with somebody with an addiction problem and I say, what, what are you trying to, what, I'm trying to you know, beat alcoholism. Well, where do you hang out? Well, the bar. I'm not telling you you can't be delivered from alcoholism at the bar. It's just going to be hard, okay? It's going to be real hard. What I would say is remove yourself. You're just going to have to remove some of that stuff out of your life. If you can't handle it, listen to me, 20, 30-year-old, look at me in the eyeballs. If you can't handle social media, get off of it. Just stop it. Just stop it. If you can't not look at porn, if you can't not connect to somebody that you've had a sexual relationship with and there's a soul tie connected, just get off of it. Get rid of cable. None of that stuff matters when you're sabotaging your future. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you? And then you got to rejoice in it. I think everything that you do that God does in your life, I think you'll get through it easier and quicker if you'll worship through it. You got to rejoice that God's delivering me. You got to wake up tomorrow morning and go, God, I thank you that you've set me free from that. God, I praise you that I don't have to be connected to that. I don't have to carry around that shame all of my life. God, I thank you that you're disconnecting me from that person. That you're that it, since I've repented and confessed about that, God, you're literally removing all of that stuff from my life and you're restoring in me what I couldn't restore in myself. It's rejoicing. And then the most important one of all is you got to repeat it over and over again. Every time it comes up. Every time it comes up in your mind. Every time that emotion comes back. I tell you, you, you can't make decisions on it. It's, emotions are not a good indicator of God's leading and God's will. Every time that emotion comes back. Every time you smell that perfume. Every time you hear her song. you got to repeat the same thing. You got to go back to my relationship with God. You got to go back to repenting. You got to go back to releasing and restoring. You say, how long is that going to take? Until it's done. Until it's severed. Until there's not a connection anymore. Until there's not any more condemnation. Until there's not any more guilt. Until you know that you know that you know that God's delivered you and healed you and you've moved past the tie that you made with your soul. Because sex is not just physical. It's just deeper than and I want to I want to help your marriage, and I want to help want to help you if you're single. I want to help you avoid the. You say, well, what do I do now? Like, well, I, I mean, I, all this information, I appreciate it. Well, what do I do with this? What do I do if I recognize this is me? Well, in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to start at the top. I'm going to give you a chance to get your relationship with God right, and then repent and confess. You can do that here. I'm going to give you a chance to start at the top, and I believe the miracle of the moment is that God can go. Hey, I'll, I'll speak that up. I'll help deliver. I'll do that. It's the process of sanctification. It's saying, God, listen, I'm going to give my spirit to you, but you're going to have to help me with my soul and my body. God says, I'll do that. I can help sanctify you.
Why don't you stand? Take your spouse by the hand or whoever you came to church with. First John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't want you to be in this place full of guilt and full of shame. I want you to know you can be released from that. So everybody's bowing their heads. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's eyes are closed. I'm going to take about two minutes, and I'm going to give you a chance to sort of begin that process of, God, I need to sever that soul tie. God, I recognize he's talking to me. God, I recognize that this is, I didn't even realize in college that was happening that one night. That God, I didn't realize that, you, you know, the decisions I was making in high school, that that stuff was affecting. Now, here I am in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s and my 50s, and I'm still battling the soul tie I have to him or to her. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my future. So nobody's looking around. Everybody's eyes are closed. If that's you, if you say, man, I know that feeling, would you just raise your hands? All over the house, you say, man, that's me. Come on, hands are up everywhere. That's me, that's me, that's me. I'm dealing with that. I see you, I see you, I see you. I'm dealing with that soul tie. Put your hands down. I want you to pray something that sounds like this. I, I, I can pray it with you. I can't pray it for you, but I need you to say, God, forgive me. God, I repent. God, I recognize that I did this. And God, for whatever reason, whether I knew I was doing it or whether it was just a mistake or God, whatever choice that I made, I repent of that. I change how I think about that. God, i got to get my relationship with you right. i got to put you at the center of my life. God, I've tried to live my whole life just fixing this on my own, just making this my own, just trying to get it right on my own. And God, i got to stop that. Today is the end of that. I'm giving you my whole heart. God, I'm giving you my, my, my whole life. God, I want you to save me. I want to be reborn. I, I want my spirit to be reborn so that I can receive direction from you, so that my heart is right, so that, God, you can begin to, 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 to direct me and I can start living the way that I need to live and make the choices I need to make. But God, I, re, I repent. I confess all of that stuff to you and I'm asking you in this moment to restore all that has been lost.